I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter, where you use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm Joe to the Fifth Element, where I highlight the fifth element of hip hop knowledge. And we're getting unladylike. Mm. I'm taking digits. album that ilk. <laughs> incredibly incredibly uh hi bim as you eat bim i've been listening this week oh my gosh this week lots of albums that's i'm gonna i'm gonna, oh, run, I'm gonna run through them man it's crazy um creed 2 soundtrack uh creed 2 creed 3 3 3 i haven't been keeping up the creed series <laughs> to be honest so. oh, <laughs> okay. slack it uh, uh dreamville dreamville did it and uh, it's good. It's really, 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 really good. I enjoyed it a lot. I think it's really well curated. Um, obviously, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know anything about whether these songs are in the movie or they're like soundtracking really important scenes in the movie, but you can kind of hear that as it goes through. Um, and I think that's a really uh, positive part of the album or the, the soundtrack or the project or whatever you want to call it. I mean, obviously, it's, it works as a standalone project. We've got everyone here, you know, all the, all the Dreamville legends are on here. They all turn up. They all do really well. Uh, Simba actually turns up on here as well. I thought that uh, that was a great verse. Um, JRD on here is amazing. J. Cole over the top of the Watcher. Holy shit, bro. Like, yeah, I, I, I just thought that was amazing. I really enjoyed that. So I put this on the other day, and it, it's good, man. It's a really good, varied listen. It certainly is different to what I've been listening to recently, which is pretty much all the same throughout the album. There's a lot of uh, variability in this record. Ari Lennox obviously gets a couple of songs on here by herself, or maybe just one song, but like that's just a breath of fresh air. I enjoyed it. I think it's a really good project. Um, I don't think it's as good as the Black Panther soundtrack, which I thought was incredible, and I thought the Black Panther 2 soundtrack was incredible too. But yeah, this was really good. Uh, Ugly by Slow Tie. This one, man. I've listened to this few through, through a few times. I couldn't get my head around it at first, especially with the singles. I was like, what, what is going on? Where are we at with this? I don't, you know, I'm not going to say what Slow Tie was intending with this record, but what I got from it was a completely unfiltered view of Slow Tie's psychological state and just how he views the world at this point in his life. Um, you know, I've read a few interviews with him where he talked about being a very angry young person, very angry teenager, someone who in the GQ article, he actually said he just wanted to hurt people. That's not saying he did go around and beat people up. I'm not saying that. That's just saying he's he's he said in that interview he's transitioned from wanting to hurt people to just wanting to love people and you know wanting to spread love in the world. And this record, man, it it oscillates between just straight up like you know straight up hip hop tropes. Um, it's 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 unbelievable. Like then it goes into like really dark, deep psychological content. The things that he's struggling with. Um, talking about pain, depression, suicide, wanting to kill himself. Um, there's a really affecting track about a story uh, of a friend or a girl that he used to date that it didn't work out and she ended up losing her life. Uh, she was murdered by, I think she murdered by her partner. It's just, it, it's an unbelievable record. And uh, there's a lot of, what I see it is, is, is a post-punk record. I, I definitely think Slow Tie went in that direction. And obviously, 
Britain has an incredibly rich history when it comes to post-punk. Um, you know, even recently, Yardak last, last year or the year before, Sleaford Mods, of course, have been blowing up. You know, you could even call the streets at some points, Mike Skinner, probably on something like Everything is Borrowed. Um, similarly, like just spoken word. And that's what we get. We got a lot of guitars, a lot of indie rock. Um, yes, yeah, great, man. It is a really, really good record. Uh, it's a journey. You're going you're gonna to go on a bit of an emotional journey when you listen to this. So, yeah, sit down with that. It is hard to get my head around fully because I just think it's going in so many different directions. It's typical of a human mind. There's so many different aspects to it. There are so many different emotions that come in and then they go away and then some stay for longer than others and some are completely contradictory to others. It's just like, and that's what I think it is. It's meant to be an unfiltered view of slow tie right now or even just the human condition. And I think it's great. I think it's a big concept, but I think he did well. Uh, Female All-Stars dropped a project and it's just full of straight up bangers. Thanks to Charlie for sending that to me. Banger, 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 uh, drill tracks, um, just like great freaking songs. Every rapper on here, I, I don't know these rappers, I have not heard of them before. Um, they're all skating on here, so yeah, fully recommend that. Just put it on, put it on in the car, and just bang out to that. Kenny Mason dropped a three pack called Three. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, there's a bit of melodic auto tuning in there as well, some guitars. I'm very interested with Kenny Mason at the moment. He's going in a lot of different directions. I see him similarly to Denzel Curry. I definitely think he's capable of doing what the mainstream wants him to do, which is just hype aggressive tracks. But he doesn't want to do that all the time. He wants to go in different directions. And I just see these little things that he's doing, EPs, occasionally does hooks on tracks. Like I definitely see it as him just expanding his artistry, and I, I appreciate that. Young Nudie dropped Gumbo. Uh, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. I thought it was just going to be f- like just full of slaps and I was just going to be able to leave it on. But there's some just woeful tracks regarding women on there that I'm just like, oh, we're still doing this. We're still doing this in 2023. Like I had to skip those ones. So it's probably not an album I'm going to go back to very often because I do like to just leave an album on. I don't want to like, if I'm going to list- re-listen to an album, I don't want to have to take three songs out because I don't like the content. I, I want to listen to it front to back. So it's a bit disappointing because I think it's a banger. I think everything else on that record is good. I just think there was some trash on there. Uh, Markomi, The God Fahim, Notorious Dump Legends 2. You know, when I was listening to this, I realized fully why people pay hundreds of dollars for Markomi's music because when he comes on the mic, it just feels like a warm, comforting blanket being put around you. And you're like, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to be excited by this. The lyricism is going to be fascinating it's like something i'm gonna enjoy this in some way it doesn't matter what he's saying i just am gonna enjoy it and you don't get that very often with rappers you really don't like or artists or anyone in general musicians in general you don't think i'm super excited to hear what this person has to say even if they're talking about totally mundane things and you know the god fahim i think is a good rapper i think he really is but it's just not on that level. And that it really exemplifies how far ahead Markomi is than the rest of his competition when he's on a track with another artist. When he's by himself, it's just kind of like, oh man, this is amazing. But when he's got another artist, you're like, wow, there are levels and he's like three or four above. So yeah, it's a great project. Shane Noir, Big Ghost, LTD or Limited, however you say that. Um, Noir or Never. This one, holy shit, bro, like, 
we've been watching Shane Noir glow up, obviously, and level up um, in terms of the collaborators, in terms of the press she's getting, in terms of the the engagement and the cut through and the listenership she's getting. And she's been leveling up her artistry as well. Um, obviously, she's a producer as well. She produces. But I feel like this is by far her best lyrical performance. You know, I, I definitely think she's an incredible storyteller and she adds emotion to her story and she delivers p- things from different perspectives that you wouldn't necessarily expect to come out of a story. You're listening to a story and you expect it to go in a certain direction. Shane Noir delivers a different perspective and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't think of it from that angle. But, and that's one of her like very, very big talents. This felt more like, less like a, a conceptual album and more like, I'm just going to rap at you and I'm going to show you how freaking good I am at rapping right now. And she really is good at rapping. Like this is just bar, 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 like just freaking amazing. Like double entendres. She's like linking up like bars from three bars ago and then dropping another reference in here. And like, I would love to see it visualized of all the different references through her verse because it'd just be lines going everywhere. It's crazy. Very, very good project. So shout out Shane Noir. Uh, Don Tolliver dropped Lovesick a couple of weeks ago. I liked it a lot. I didn't expect to, but there's just some boring tracks on here. Like, I just really wish he'd cut it and just got rid of the boring tracks. The first, like, five, six, seven tracks are amazing, and they really drag you in. But then it just kind of lulls and goes in quite boring directions. And I'm not a Don Tolliver fan. I didn't enjoy his last project very much at all. So I really was surprised when I was like going back to this and re-listening to it over and over. But yeah, I wasn't even going to talk about it. Um, but I did keep listening to it and keep putting it on. And it's almost like the first eight tracks, seven tracks, I'm like, this is great. I really enjoy this. And then it gets to, and I'm like, oh God, I've got to turn it off again. So I think half good, half bad on that. Or not bad, just like not tracks that really gelled with me. Uh, Fulio, Final Destination. Very, very strong project. Very strong project. Um, a lot of bangers. Yeah, definitely recommend that. A lot of emotional pain on that record too. Uh, Macklemore dropped Ben. Um, Jesus, bro. I mean, this this is exactly what I should have expected from Macklemore, but I didn't. I didn't expect this. I didn't know what to expect, okay? I've enjoyed some Macklemore songs, like the dance-off track with Anderson Park on Gemini. I think it was on Gemini. That's probably it. That's probably the only one. But still, I don't dislike Macklemore. And I think this his story is very fascinating. Obviously, he struggled with addiction heavily his whole life. He was on a talk show recently saying that he relapsed heavily during COVID. I think I got that right. I think it was during COVID. Um, so I'm very, I was very interested going into this record to hear what he had to say. Just pop rap. Straight up, he don't, there's no shame. There is no shame whatsoever. There's nothing here. There's nothing here. Even when the lyrical content is there. Oh my days, it's unlistenable. It's so unlistenable. It's like he just collaborated with ex-ambassadors and uh, who's that other band that everyone hated for a while that collaborated with Coldplay? I can't even remember, bro. It's just like... Or Imagine Dragons? Yeah, it was probably, yeah, Imagine Dragons. It's just it's just a strong no. It's a firm no. Shout out, Macklemore. I hope he's doing okay. And I'm sure this is going to get spins. This really will. And I, I'm, I'm not surprised. That's why I'm not surprised. Because I think Macklemore knows his music should be at a higher level commercially than it is. Because I think he knows he's marketable. I know He knows he has a story to tell. He knows that he can make that, like... 
that EDM, slightly emotional content that's quite bland that anyone can kind of project onto their own lives. And I, I think that's exactly what he's trying to do here. And I think he'll be successful in it. Um, Nayakabi Karuki, uh, Feeling Body, a uh, Kenyan artist who dropped a really beautiful, affecting piece of music. It's a lot of it is spoken word over like real, I guess, sprawling ambient instrumentals. But a lot of it is just the feeling of your body uh, kind of giving up and, and ha- suffering from physical symptoms, especially from a psychological disorder and how trapped that makes you feel, how like out of control that makes you feel when you know, you're getting all these symptoms in your body and your body's holding you back from all the things you want to do in life. And you can't control it. You can't do anything about it. No one has any answers. It's just all on you to just kind of endure it day to day. Um, And there's a lot of repeated refrains in order to like really hammer home uh, like important emotional content on here. It's, It's, you know, it's exactly what I'm experiencing right now, one of the things anyway, and it was really affecting. Um, it was a tough listen. I've listened to it a couple of times, but yeah, it really, it's a beautiful listen. Um, and finally, The weekend dropped a live album live at SoFi Stadium, and I was stupidly excited to listen to this. And I think it did. It did live up to the expectations of what I was thinking. Maybe not as much as I wanted. I just thought that the mixing was poor. And I know it must be hard to mix a live album. I know that must be difficult. But there are live albums out there in stadiums that have been mixed well. I just think it did him a disservice because these songs and this performance is so huge. It's so maximal. It's so brilliant. Bro, he fucking ends on blinding lights and... Uh, that's a moment. Anyone watching the weekend perform Blinding Lights, there's a moment. There are absolute straight like anthems in here, and the weekend is amazing. His voice is incredible. Oh my god! But that one thing is, it's just mixed too low. It's just not. It's not crisp enough. There's there's no separation. It's just all together. And again, I have no idea how you mix. I don't know anything about it. Maybe this was absolutely the best they could have gotten. But that was that one thing that just pulled it back a bit when I turned it up real loud, which is, I think, how it should be listened to. Um, it just didn't, it sounded a bit distorted and, and a bit muddled. And um, that was a bit disappointing. But apart from that, everything else, literally everything else is fucking amazing. The weekend is an incredible live performer. I've never even seen him perform live. Just literally listening to him in my headphones on Spotify is an incredible experience so imagine what it'd be like being there with a whole crowd going crazy but um yeah man I'm, I'm happy he put it out i'm stoked i'm gonna listen to it a lot so that was me charlie what about yourself well 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 uh it's interesting because um this is probably the most you've uh talked about in terms of like pure numbers but um pure number of projects but um pretty different on a on what we when we spun, not much uh, overlap, of which is kind of nice. Uh, so start off with a ninth wonder, the goat uh, Zion number eight, I think it is. Uh, yep, number eight with his pops on the front cover. Um, had the uh, quintessential five tracks, you know, five vocal tracks, um, and this time it was uh, Amber Navran. And uh, if you have spun her breathy vocals, um, you uh, know what's up. And uh, yeah, she goes uh, she goes well on that. You have a couple of other features on there uh, on a couple of the songs. Uh, King Draft and Swank, I think, are on there as well. And obviously the B package is, you know, top-notch, Ninth Wonder, what do you expect? 
Um, yeah, so if you've got 90 minutes to throw something in the background, Scion number eight, along with the rest of them, because <laughs> there's a fuck ton of them. Uh, slow tight, ugly. Um, I didn't really enjoy Tyron uh, last time, the second album, and um, I don't really know why, to be honest. I, I, I didn't really think about it too much, but I was thinking about it now as you were talking. Um, and, uh, you know, with that said, I really enjoy this one. Um, I like the erratic nature of it. It's mm. very up and down. I think your, uh, I think your take from it, um, is, pre- it seems pretty spot on in my opinion. I feel like it is a just like a window to him basically, and uh, you know sometimes it's really up, <laughs> like feels good, or sometimes it's really down, and uh, you know I, I I enjoy that, and I feel like. If I was like a big slow tire fan, I mean, respect to the, respect to the guy, the fact that he's been doing these, um, uh, he's been doing shows uh, around the country, um, in like pubs, just you know, just local pubs for literally a quid, um, and a couple of free shows as well. So you know, if you're a big fan of slow tire and you're in the UK, you're getting fed, like you're you're getting fed, and uh, you know, I respect that. I respect the. Uh, the the ground the grounds the, the down to earth nature he has you know you mentioned the streets and it's kind of like it's it's like that it's like streets mixed with something else some I guess you know punk rock element take your pick but um yes it's very interesting in uh, how he and how he uh, puts himself forward as an artist and uh, yeah it's just one of those artists I wish I liked more right um, <laughs> because because like I said if you're a fan of him you you you're good because you're getting free shows, he's coming through to people's houses to do the Feels Good video and everyone's doing this with him. It's fire. It's just it's enjoyable to watch. Um, but yeah, it's a solid album. I can't complain. I'm here for it. Uh, Neek, friend of 5e Neek, N-E-A-K, uh, Diet Versal, uh, which is German for The Roots. Um, and yeah, uh, if you've listened to Neek before, um, Chicago-based, and it's, it's, it's so interesting when I listen to someone like, I don't know, Vic Spencer, for example, and then someone like Neek, and then add two, and, <laughs> and then Lupe. It's just like, these people are so different, uh, and it's so eclectic over there in Chicago. It's absolutely crazy. And, um, you know, Neek comes through, uh, the first track, the tree just um, uh, 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 Nina Simone, and then over that, it's just like James Baldwin talking, Malcolm X talking, Martin Luther King talking, um, and just archival footage from that f- on that front. And it really sets the tone for the whole album. And um, yeah, he comes through, uh, add to and feel more green on here in terms of features. And um, yeah, it's a very, uh, it's a very, it's not even that dense an album, I would say. Um, but the obviously the underlying context is dense um but as a listen i feel like it's very uh very simple to listen to very easy to listen to it's very pleasant and um but yeah obviously with the back context and all the uh all the subject matter he speaks about can obviously weigh you down but um overall it's a very fresh listen so shout to neek uh female all stars fa to the world far to the world it's probably fa um yeah so this consists of the trio of a uh, lady shocker uh, Frankie Staywoke and Nai Nai, uh, NYNY, and uh, yeah, you know, you, you get some more features here. Manga Saint Hilaire, uh, Jamie does a production and a feature on here. Uh, Genesis Elijah, Miz on a few, on a few as well. Yeah, like a, like Ben said, there's a lot of um, just a a mix of everything that's good about 
UK rap in, in in every sense. You get some drill tracks in the beginning, but then it leans into some grime tracks, some really old school grime tracks, um, and then just stuff in the middle. Um, yeah, it's a real good, really good, uh, nice sprawling, very sprawling album, I would say so. Um, but yeah, very fun, uh, very easy to do. Uh, Chain Noir, Big Ghost Limited, Noir or Never. <laughs> it's funny how Ben comes through with like, this is the best work yet. And I'm just like, they're all great. I can't great. I can't rank it at this point. I can't, really can't. <laughs> She's so consistently good. Like I, I just default to the Apollo Brown album because I just like the Apollo Brown beats on there and I like the story she told on there. Um, but regardless of which one you listen to, they're all good and they all have, um, they all have merit. Um, the features on here are good as well. Uh, love the genius on Vera Cruz, top, fucking top notch. Uh, Sky Zoo on Brilliance, top notch. Ransom and Thirty Eight Special, Bad Apples, uh, really good as well. But yeah, you know, Shane Noir is really the um, the uh, on the front here on uh, for most of it, and uh, that's good. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for Shane Noir, and I want to listen to Shane Noir. And uh, you get that. You definitely get that. So um, yeah, man, just another notch in the belt. Let's just say that. Uh, Masego with a self-titled album. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say I, this is the first Masego album I've listened to. Um, I meant to listen to um, I forget which one it was called. Uh, I think I think it dropped in like 2017 or 2018, somewhere around that somewhere around that time. Uh, Lady Lady, that's the one. Yeah, he kind of broke out with that one. And you know, I've seen him on features, and he's always impressed on my front. And he does a mean sax as well, so you know, I'm here for that. And uh, this is it's an interesting album. It's a very interesting album. Uh, black anime kind of starts off with this uh, uh, fucking um, I forgot the I forgot he basically covered a whole track. I forget what the track was now. It's really annoying. Uh, I'm gonna find it in a sec. But um, yeah, past that it just gets into this um, kind of like smooth um, and very uh, like a a a, a type of R and B that you've heard before but you haven't heard before because he's just doing a little couple of things that are different you know what i mean it's not wholly unique or anything but there's a, there's a little bit of difference uh, about it and I'm, I'm i'm here for that so uh yeah i'm i'm, I'm embarrassed to say so i've been meaning to listen to his older stuff for for ages but uh, just never happened and then this came through so i was like okay well psh. <laughs> There we go. Let's jump. Let's jump right in. Oh yeah, you see, he sampled a cha cha, the cha cha slide. So cha cha, real smooth. Let's go to work. Like it was, it was just, it was just random. Part me for it. It was very, it was very, very different. Um, so yeah, shout to shout to Masego. Uh, Addy Oasis, Lotus Glow. Um, album of the year contender for me. Um, I love this album to death. It's funky. It's fresh. It's energetic. It has it has a uh, it has depth, uh, especially in the subject matter. There's one particular track I think it's called Multiplier, which is literally you know that you, you know those kind of tracks, man. You know those kind of tracks I like. You know what I mean? Just those, 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 uh, those. You know, sit by the fire, glass of wine, maybe some cheese. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean a bit of fondue, maybe if you if you're feeling hot. You know what I mean? If you want some hot cheese. And then uh, you know you just uh, just baby making music in the fire, you know what I mean? That kind that kind of shit. We're here for it. We're here for that shit. You know what I mean? So that's what that's what we're here for. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a great album. I really enjoy it. Um, there's uh, just so much. Um, you just you just constantly move in as it goes. Um, every the sequencing is beautiful. It's just buttery smooth. Goes from one track to the next so smoothly. 
And um, yeah, man, really, 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 really enjoyed that. Album. I really want to desperately hear hear it live. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely on my street. Uh, verbs Capri Sun and Mr. Slips uh, Sure Connects. Um, always love uh, some verbs and Mr. Slips and uh, Capri Sun uh, with two eyes and in all caps uh, comes through as well for this one. And uh, yeah, if you like some, you know, UK hip hop, um, bit of lo-fi, um, the lo-fi vibe with the Mr. Slips production. I think Mr. Slips raps on this as well. So shout out to him on that one for providing some bars as well. Um, but yeah, if you want, if you want some of that UK hip hop, um, definitely a good shout here. Uh, verbs and Mr. Slips do not miss, in my opinion. And lastly, Yasmin Lacey with voice notes. Um, so this uh, this ticks up to an hour, um, just uh, just over an hour, and um, it's basically a vocal jazz album. Fundamentally, uh, I remember really enjoying her Morning Matters EP from a few years ago. Um, it was that rare that rare piece of music that made me like something I actually don't like in real life, which is mornings and waking up in the morning. Uh, but it felt like waking up in the morning. So and uh, yeah, it was, it was very nice. But uh, with this album, I don't know. I don't know if it was um, a matter of me uh, or a matter of just a lack of focus from me. I was doing stuff uh, as I was listening. Um, but yeah, kind of just I guess came throughout the wash to me personally. Um, I I enjoyed some of the uh, some of the jazz elements. Uh, throughout nice and mellow very mellow album for sure um and you know Yasmin has a nice voice and she has some great uh, songwriting I can't really I can't really fault her in any fashion um it just didn't didn't quite hit on the first listen for me um maybe it's worth another listen uh and I'll probably do that at some point um but yeah I guess uh, it's just one of those rare first listens where I really wanted to like it and I was kind of like inside and listening uh but yeah just um it's been quite, it's been quite mesh for me, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Yasmin Lacey regardless. And as I said, we shall get into our first retrospective for Women's History Month. If you haven't spun uh, previous Women's History Months, we've gone through a ton, uh, especially most of the popular ones. And, uh, you know, again, it's to the more niche, niche artists these days, uh, but still plenty of quality uh, all around. And uh, for this one, we are starting with the First Lady of No Limit. Uh, Miss Mia X. Um, it's our first No Limit uh, exploration, I think, um, in yes. any fashion. So yes. that'll be very interesting in how we tackle. And uh, yeah, man, we'll jump right into Miss Unladylike uh, <laughs> Mia X. Uh, ben, what have you got for us? Yeah, I mean, Mia X, Mia X sorry, is the, uh, she's the genesis of female rap, at least in the mainstream in the South. When people try to give that title to Gangsta Boo in interviews, uh, rest in peace, Gangsta Boo, she was quick to deflect it away from herself and give me X her flowers. Uh, she's the first female MC to bring bounce music to the masses. And I'll trace that lineage in a second. But first, this is from an interview me X did in 2021. She said, I'm so grateful to say that when T Tucker and DJ Herve, Devious and DJ Jimmy were there, I was right there. We came out collectively. Silky Slim, MCE, Cash Money, Big Boy. We are the forefathers and mothers of bounce. There was no such thing as bounce until we started doing it. I'm happy to say that that subculture in hip-hop, that genre, I am one of the mummers of that. I got a 30-year-old bounce record. I'm very thankful for that. So Mia X, I think, is rarely given the flowers she deserves because in modern hip-hop, I think we take it for granted. And I think we probably gloss over the fact nowadays that every major region has their own unique sound and energy and I guess you could even call subgenre of hip-hop. You know, Charlie was just talking about Chicago and it is weird that Chicago has such a varied sound in the 2020s because, you know, it's usually that an area has a very distinct sound. Certainly in the 90s, that was 100% the case. 
East Coast, West Coast, Boom Bap versus G-Funk, and then Andre 2000 getting up and saying the South got something to say at the Source Awards. Um, you know, obviously we've been talking about this with Gangsta Boo recently, and then we did 3-6 Mafia. So we're going to go back in time even further than that to Mia X, because Bounce Music originated in New Orleans in the very early 90s through pioneers like Kevin Ventry and DJ Jubilee. Now it's progressed into mainstream ubiquity through Masterpiece No Limit, um, David Banner's work as a solo artist, of course, and DJ Paul through 3-6 Mafia. But if you go onto the Wikipedia page for Bounce Music and search up Mia X, literally nothing comes up, which is, I think, incredibly short-sighted and low-key disrespectful. Her debut single, Ask Them Suckers, is pure bounce, pure bounce, dropped in 92. Brilliant early example of bounce music. Uh, and the first mainstream entrance of a female MC into the bounce arena. Now, it's been an uphill battle for her to be recognized as a bounce pioneer. Uh, to this day, in interviews, she is assertive when asked about her history and heritage. In a Vibe interview from 2022, she said, I'm first-generation bounce music. I put my first bounce record out 30 years ago, and we always did things with the brass bands. Now, don't forget that her third LP went number seven on the Billboard 200. She was just the second Southern female MC to go top 10 on the Billboard 200 after Missy Elliott did it with Super Duper Fly in 1997. Classic album. Um, But how do we get to this point, you know? Because in 2022, Mia X was judging the Red Bull Street Kings brass band battle while serving up her own unique brand of Southern food, partly to commemorate her cookbook slash memoir, which was titled Things My Grandma Told Me, Things My Grandma Showed Me. The first lady of No Limit was far from a singular artist. She was immersed in the culture she grew up in. She was, you know, she had a, a bunch of different things that she was doing. But it was MC Shah Rock who first showed her she could become an MC. She was listening to Funky 4 Plus 1, and she saw a female entirely on par with the men in the group and realized that there was an avenue in music for her. But it was actually the sequence who gave her the first like genuine spark and motivation to actually start rapping. Now, I don't think we've ever mentioned the sequence on this pod before, which is a little bit odd. They were an all-female hip-hop trio that formed in 1979. They were signed to Sugar Hill Records. Uh, Cheryl LaPelle, Blondie, and Angie B, they were high school friends. And they actually rushed a Sugar Hill Gang performance and started singing and they impressed them so much with their singing that sylvia robinson signed them to uh sugar hill records um and they dropped a song called funk you up in 1979 it was one of the very first mainstream drops from female mcs so mia x said this to uh salon 726 the sequence was these three three girls and they were singing and they were rapping they were writing they were composing they made me feel like i could do it now mia x will always be deeply entwined with new orleans hip-hop before she graduated hip hop, uh, sorry, before she graduated hip hop, before she graduated high school, she'd actually progressed her rapping so far that she was regularly performing for a mobile entertainment service, ironically called New York Incorporated, alongside Manny Fresh. She was performing with Manny Fresh. Um, you know, I don't need to explain his importance to hip hop, especially Southern rap. I think maybe I might need to explain it to Birdman though. I think he uh, fully understands. <laughs> I think he fully understands. Apparently, it's the CEOs who have propelled cash yeah. money, <laughs> but not Manny Fresh, who literally produced yeah, everything. Business has done everything. Yeah. Fucking hell, bro. Anyway, um, you know this likely explains all the cash money shoutouts Mia X gave on her second and third albums. Now, Manny Fresh was actually her DJ way back in 1984. She told Salon Seven Two Six this. 
If it wasn't for WAP and Manny and Deanie D, the founders of New York Incorporated, I would not be an MC. I wouldn't be an MC that you know. I was 14, we were children. I knew I wanted to rhyme when I was 10 years old, but I did not rhyme in front of people until I was 14. New York Incorporated gave me that opportunity because Manny and WAP are DJing dancers and doing all kinds of stuff. To see young kids from your neighborhood doing it, and it's something that you want to do too. If it wasn't for me saying, oh, WAP and Manny, can I rap? And then them throwing on Tila Rock's It's Yours Instrumental, I wouldn't be here. That's where my confidence was built, my confidence to get on the mic and get on the stage. So Mia X actually predates No Limit Records, at least the No Limit as we know it today, because the label actually started out in Richmond, California in 1991, before it moved permanently to its home of New Orleans in 1995. Now, Mia X's first EP came out independently on Lamina Records in 1992, uh, which was just a local label that was host to a couple of artists, but none of whom went on to anything anywhere near the success of Mia X. Now, the, the, the EP is only two tracks. It's titled The Payback. And it's a bit of a shock if you listen to this and then her debut album, because I feel like, and we'll get into it when we talked about her debut album, but... These two tracks is just straight up bounce. Um, I feel like they're far more aligned with her second album than her debut. And it blew up locally. And C Murder, who's a pioneer of the New Orleans hip hop scene, actually told Master P he had to come sign Mia X simply off the hype these two tracks had drummed up. Now she told this story to Salon 726, and this is a story about Master P. Um, because Master P was living in California for so many years, no one really knew him in New Orleans. We didn't know his music. So he came and told me his plans to make a record label and I believed him. He told me the truth. He told me he was going to have the biggest independent label in the world. He had a real strong work ethic and at the time Profile was looking at me to sign me. And my mum was like, so you're going to go with that guy? Nobody even knows his records. Something about what he was saying, I believed it. In 94, I went to California. We worked on Down South Hustlers. Then we had the West Coast Bad Boys. Then we worked on his 99 Ways to Die album. Then he and I recorded about it, and that was the breakthrough hit of his career. That went double platinum, and then I released Good Girl Gone Bad. Master P allowed me to build his entire label. He let me bring the producers, the rappers. He trusted the sound that I told him he needed because No Limit didn't have that sound prior to me coming. He trusted it. He's really good at putting things together and making it really, really big. P is my brother, and I will always be thankful because I'm a woman and hip-hop was male-dominated, and he trusted me. Now, throughout this interview, uh, Mia X is singing her own praises, which may seem a little ostentatious, but I actually found it very refreshing because we know how few accolades pioneers get in modern music journalism. It's like every year that we progress, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, every year that we progress, another year in hip-hop history becomes irrelevant to the mainstream conversation. It's partly why we do this podcast. You know, It's why interviews like this, where Mia X is telling us her true experience and status, are very valuable because it makes people go, how come I haven't heard people say this before? Like me or X created the No Limit Sound. Then you go and do your Googles and you discover a bunch of things that you would never have known before. So I think it's very valuable. I can't speak to whether Mia X was the architect of the No Limit Sound, but her first album came out in 95 under No Limit and Priority, but it doesn't have the same bounce or energy her next two projects do. It actually, to me, sounds a lot like LL Cool J's Mr. Smith from the same year because... They both sound like throwbacks from artists you would not expect to sound dated. Like LL had access to whomever he chose as a producer. And Mia X was at the very genesis of one of the greatest labels and sounds in hip hop history. I felt both those albums felt like they should have dropped years prior. You know, LL obviously late 80s. But I felt like Good Girl Gone Bad feels a bit like the early 90s. Um, 
And I think it's very different to her next two albums, but I'm very curious to see how you feel about it, Charlie. <coughs> it's interesting you say that um, because uh, in a rare, uh, in a rarity of what is of what we usually of how we usually go about these, uh, this is probably it's probably my favorite album. Really? <laughs> wow! This is my least favorite. Yeah, That's I, uncommon. I feel- there you go. There you go. Here's what it is. Um, but yeah, I I think for me the reason why I enjoy this so much um, is more to the, it's more about the other two than this specifically. But thinking about it more, I think the reason why I enjoy this so much um, is because it just comes across as so much more, uh, just tight, J- just just tight, smooth all throughout, right. And it seems just more replayable for me. Um, going through, you know, track lists and it's cut up with these, you know, commercials, which are basically interludes, right? Um, and, you know, you get a few features here. Conscious Doors on the first track. Big, big, big Ed and Master P. Mission to Get Paid. <laughs> Great name here. Mo B. Dick. Love it. Um, <laughs> my everything. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I like the, and I also like the variety of it. Um, some of the tracks really gave off kind of like G-Funk, yeah, uh, elements exactly there. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought, yeah. And I was, I was messing with it, you know, uh, you know me, I love some G-Funk, so it, it, it spoke to me in that fashion. Um, uh, while it may not cater to the No Limit sound that you're talking about, um, Shit, man! I enjoyed it. Regard, I enjoyed it regardless. So you know, while it, uh, while it objectively doesn't succeed in what you, uh, why I'm assuming you think the second and uh, third album do achieve, uh, I just prefer listening to this album as a body of work. Um, I feel it's uh, the smoothest. I feel it has uh, just a nice fucking amount of tracks. Doesn't go on too long. Um and yeah, that kind of sets the tone for one. What I'm gonna say for the other two, uh, but yeah, it is what it is. But I will say before you continue, I find it very interesting that <coughs> you uh mention how she basically had a genuine hand in No Limit becoming No Limit. Um, you know, we love to say, you know, insert female artist here, the first lady of some of label, right? Mm. Um, but most of the time it's due to the fact that, well, they're all due to the fact that it's the only female in the fucking roster, right? Which is which is another argument. But in that case, in most of the other cases, it's literally just they do music, right? But the fact that Mia X had a genuine hand in the background and in the foundational aspects of it, I find wholly unique. And uh, yeah, man, I highly respect that. Yeah, hundred um, percent. That kind of highlights the whole point of the next two hours. It's very interesting that you came up that you said that because I was a bit, I was a bit shocked when I listened to this album and then listened to the next two because it does sound so much different. And I was kind of like, right. "What's going on here?" Like you know. Anyway, there's a bit of drama about this album because here's actually another project that dropped in 1995 with me X's name on it, and it was billed as a debut album. So in 94, she signed a two-album deal with uh, Emoja Records, who then merged into Slaughterhouse Records, and they released a tape titled Mummy Dearest in 1995. Now, the dispute between Slaughterhouse Records and No Limits spilled over into a lawsuit in 1999 uh, of $10 million to settle the issue. So the producer and the label executive from Slaughterhouse Records alleged that Master P and his associates coerced them to let Mia X go from her contract. 
So they dropped Mummy Dearest, which is a complete, it's it's a full album. It's a genuine album. It's on YouTube if you want it. Um, but it only exists in the physical world as a cassette. And there's very few in circulation. Discogs has never recorded a sold copy. Um, and only 13 Discog members have a copy compared with 135 people who have that project in their want list. And it's a much different vibe. There's a lot more singing, um, a lot more G-Funk. I think an even more outdated production palette. You know, I think Mia X, again, Mia X, and we're going to talk about this, she just holds court. She drags your attention away from whatever shortcomings a song may have. Um, you just want to hear what she has to say and why she has to say it. And I don't. there's no doubt to me why there was a, um, a dispute over her contractual status because you can hear even on her earliest EP that she had something exciting and unique. I think Good Girl Gone Bad is carried by her more than I think I've heard an album carried in recent memory. Some of the beats are just straight up sleepy. I mean, I think there's brilliant beats, like Payback 2 is brilliant, but Here Comes a Drama sounds like that Swiss Beats video of him like hitting random buttons on the pad and everyone just going... <laughs> Yeah, we all know the video, bro. We oh, all know I love the video. video so much. I love um, it so much. My everything just sounds it's like almost. it's that's ketamine in a beat. That one, the title track sounds like the backing track to a weird like seventies rom com. But I think Mia X is stunning on all of them. The title track is a really intricate and powerful story about the ills facing young women in the eighties. My everything is a genuinely moving song about her own journey and motherhood. You know, wondering about how she will be as a mother, who her son will become, musings about the father of her child. Such a brilliant song dealing with really complex emotional states and delicate topics. And that's the takeaway for me. Um, I think she's one of the best MCs in 95, like genuinely, that came out that year. I mean, Legends came out in 95. AZ, Black Thought, ODB, Raekwon, Cool G Rap, Prodigy, Tupac dropped that year. I see her more aligned with Tupac as an MC than anyone else in that list because... I think her storytelling oh, so in her... ironic you say that. Really? Why? <coughs> I'll, I'll say this now since she said it, but um, I think it's Sea Murder. I, 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 you know, I get, I kind of get lost throughout the names as I was listening, but um, one of them sounds like, like, like Machiavelli era Tupac, like oh, an abuse. Yeah. Like just it, uh, that's all I was getting from one of them. I think it's Sea Murder. I, 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 I need clarification, but. Yeah, it was just really, it was just really jarring and really ironic you say that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel that way. And, it, you know, there's obviously quite a lot of G-Funk on here. So that's why I think the comparison holds a little bit more weight um, than maybe in her later records. But I just think her storytelling here, there wasn't any songs or stories or characters she presented on this album that I felt bored or disinterested in. You know, every story gripped me from the start and I was curious how it would play out. I think it's a masterclass in sending a message through a vivid narrative because, um, you know, usually the message on this record is about loyalty, family, dishonesty, systemic oppression, her experience in New Orleans. And what kind of emerges over the course of the album is someone who is thrust into adulthood at a young age, who's still viewing the world through youthful eyes, but with the knowledge that life is ridiculously hard and that you need a value system if you're going to move through it successfully in any way. And Mia X chose loyalty heavily on this record and her dedication to family throughout the album actually kind of tragically came to fruition in the late 90s. We'll discuss that after a third album. Um, but it's interesting that a value she pushed so heavily on this record was one that she was living by every day, all the way up to the end of her mainstream career. I see this album as worthy of far more praise than it ever got then or now. You know, I, I, I don't think to me it touches her next two in terms of quality, but her performance as an MC 
just has to be commended and I'm I'm shocked that no one I've never listened I've never listened to a Mia X album. I didn't have any real concept of Mia X and her con- contribution to hip hop and I'm just shocked as to why I didn't like why the fuck has this never come across me before? It's not like I'm sheltered. It's not like Charlie and I just sitting around just only listening to Travis Scott and Kendrick Lamar like it's it's a bit bullshit. I'm just shocked. Spotify I'm just rap. Let's go. I just yeah. I'm just shocked, man. Anyway, the next album is called Unlady Like. I don't know. Sound sounded like you really liked the album, bro. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I did, look. It's not that I dislike the album at all. I just really like the next two. I don't think the first album okay. is bad. I think it's a really good album. But I just okay. don't. I don't like it as much as the next two. I think Me X is incredible. You know, I think it's a great album. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. Uh. The Unladylike um, suffers uh, for me uh, just a deluge of filler. Um, there are moments where I'm like, all right, here we are. Yeah, it, this is it. This is it, right? So going from like Ain't to be played with Unladylike intro and then the I'll Take Your Man 97, which is just a straight up homage to obviously Salt and Pepper. Yeah, it's classic. I'm here for that. Here for that every day of the week right but then there's just so much filler bro there's so much filler like and there's way too many posse cuts on here bro, bro this way is the rough riders many. problem man it's the eve oh, rough riders my problem days. it's absurd bro you don't want to go war goes on for way too long like uh uh uh, uh bring a dr- bring bring the drama yeah mama's family Ay ay ay! It just keep it. There's just so many. There's like tracks on here that just go on for way too long, and I kind of just it, it kind of just blends into the ba- into the background for me personally. Um, and I'm kind of like it's just like me X is like begins it off right, and I'm like here for it, and then it's just there's just four dudes, and I'm just like <laughs> I'm just like what are you guys talking about? Yeah. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. It's just you're just talking. It just comes. It just comes out as filler to me personally. Like Hoodland Poetry, tough, yep. tough track. Yep. Probably one of her best tracks yep. on like in in her discography for Brilliant. me personally. Like the spoken word is absolutely absurd here. It's actually crazy, and it goes on for a while, but it's really fucking gripping, super gripping. I'm gonna read some of it. Um, where should I go from? Uh, uh I'm about it. I make you feel about it, about it. I'm spit fan. I split. Spit family, spit friends, spit lovers, and even sp- and even business partners. So nigga nickname me crack, ain't that something? I'm the reason why a lot of people are homeless, crazy, crippled, why they're HIV positive and dead. But you still want me, feel the need for me to be in your possession, fear to get high off my intoxicating little pieces, or to spread my love to profit. You're even willing to kin and die for me. Like the 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 concept there is <laughs> just like fucking crazy. I did not see that coming. I really didn't. Like just expect a full on artistic uh fucking spoken word piece. And you get that in a Mirax album. Like so the highs on here, I will say, are the highest in her career. But there are so many there's so much stuff in between it. I just get a bit lost and I just I just my my brain goes a bit hazy over just the the, the uh you know, super repetitive hooks, and I'm just—I I don't know—I just start to, I just start to hear static in my brain. I <laughs> just want to miss it sometimes. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an album I want to love, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just got way too much filler for me personally. I think 
you know, just on that, the reason I like that so much, because I think you nailed it, is I tend to like that. I tend to like songs that sound similar and like back it up and kind of keep the same energy. But I definitely, yeah. you, you're 100% on point. I don't disagree with anything you said. And I do think, uh, you know, the thing that fascinated me the most about this album was as soon as I turned it on, it felt familiar, even though I'd never listened to it before, because it sounded like No Limit. And even though I haven't listened to a heap of No Limit, their influence is so wide-reaching that it's just like, oh, this is the sound that I know. I already know this sound. I don't even. I, I don't think you even have to listen to a Master P album to be like, this is, you know, I've heard this song many, many times before. It's straight up New Orleans bounce. Obviously, there's just genuine menace. You don't want to go to war. Foxy comes in on The Party Don't Stop, which was an amazing yep. link-up. I love Foxy yep. on... On guest spots, man, she just fucking comes in and brings something completely different. Um, and then they give Center Stage to Mia X all the way up to the 10th track. Then we get the label album, you know, the Eve Rough Riders <laughs> compilation album. There are 23 features on a 20-track album. That's wild, bro. Especially for someone as adept lyrically as Mia X. So charted 21 on the Billboard 200, which is a huge upgrade on the commercial performance of her previous record. Uh, Party Don't Stop with Master P and Foxy Brown was a hit as well. But it's a much dark, I felt like it's a much darker record than her previous ones because even the previous records, sorry, even the tracks that are distracting from the emotional, painful or resilient tracks, they're not sunshine, you know, they're not like upbeat, happy tracks. It's like who got yeah. the clout, ain't to be played with, being the drama. They're abrasive and they're aggressive. And I felt like, to me, that showed a whole other side of her artistry as an MC because she's rapping next to some of the most hype MCs in history. And she once again drags the focus back to her every single time her vocals cut in. Some of these tracks are just endless, 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 just constant, more rapper, another rapper, another rapper. And you're just like, please bring Mia X back. Please bring her, give her the microphone back because... That 16 that she spat at the first is not being topped. It's just not coming close. And it's just like, and she floats above songs here. She has cut in her vocal tone. She sounds pissed off, aggressive, angry. But we get more glimpses into her world, which is one that's increasingly filled with pain and struggle. On R.I.P. Jill, she talks about her friend who passed, which is a tragic event that wreaks all sort of emotional havoc on her. And she doesn't just tell you it hurts. She breaks down exactly why and for how long she expects it to last and all the different ways it's impacting upon her living a healthy life. I think it's one of the best storytelling songs of the 90s. It's so affecting. Like, it's a brilliant song. Then she and can go three from... Of them. Yeah, there's three brilliant, like, storytelling tracks on here. Yeah. But she can go from that to I'll Take Your Man. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a mid-80s track, you know? Yeah. You know, in Hoodlum Poetry is one of the best tracks I've heard about... Uh, crack like in that in that way like just talking yeah. about it from that perspective is uh, I mean I'm a bit speechless like it's an unbelievable song the only criticism I could see this album is of course the lack of a consistency because for much of it Mia X is in hype mode and she's kind of arcing up the energy of her male counterparts and proving and I think that was maybe where this album got lost a little bit she just spent too long proving that she could do it. She spent too long proving she could destroy a track adeptly as anyone else. But, you know, on this, we get fun moments, calm moments, sobering moments, happy moments, angry moments. We just get the entire range of emotion and a whole lot of different narratives. 
Um, and the whole thing kind of ties back into the album title. Like it's not, she's not being pigeonholed. She's not who, you know, especially in the mid nineties, like nowadays we look at a title like Unladylike and we think, oh, well, of course, like you don't have to be ladylike if you don't want to, it doesn't matter. But in the nineties, it was not like that. I mean, I think it was, I'm almost certain it was Mia X and I read an interview and um, don't quote me on this, but I will check it. And she was told by a label executive that she had to lose weight in order to become a star in music. And it was either her or, because we're doing like, because I'm writing all these pods at once, so it could have been Miss Melody, but I'm almost certain it was Mia X. Um, and that's the point of Unladylike. She's just like, fuck you, bro. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. And that's exactly what she does in this record. And that's why I like it so much. It just unbelievable record and the storytelling on here is just fucking immense how the fuck am i not heard this shit before like, this pissed me off <laughs> people should be talking about this more like being like me x is one of the best storytellers in the 90s it's unbelievable every southern hip-hop fan is like thank you yeah <laughs> they're like oh we've been saying this bro you only listen to it because you won't stop listening to lox you idiot like fucking hell <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. The the East Coast bias is is heavy. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, finishing off. Uh, Mama Mama drama. Um, uh, suffers again a little bit from the feature from the feature uh, filler. Um, putting it down. Bring it on. There you go again. First track. Just another just posse cut. It's just like, just has me checking the yeah, watch. It's a long like, one. <laughs> when's the next? Uh, but then you have. What you gonna, what you want to do, with Charlie Wilson? Shout out to Charlie Wilson, man! Like every time, I like, shout out to that dude, man! Like he he didn't he 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 fulfilled he filled a hole in like the gap between R and B and hip hop. He's been doing it for all these years, and it always slaps. It's always fucking good when he's on a track, and you you know what you're gonna get, and it fucking succeeds every time. Um, but yeah, you know, there's there's features all over the place, but it's more, I guess, sparse in terms of like packing them in one one track, like yeah, like the previous album. I mean, there are there is that. Don't get me wrong. There's a couple of tracks to do that, but you know, um, Mama Drama with Fiend, uh, I think somebody with Fiend. Uh, you know, there's there's just like one person with with her, and uh, that's that's fine by me. Um, but then you know, past that. Uh, don't start no shit with C Murder and Master P clean. Fat Joe and Snoop Dogg on What's Your Point was very interesting. I saw that on the track list. I was like, hmm. Yeah, that was see how that goes. That was alright. I'm 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 not I'm not looking forward to whenever we do a Fat Joe retrospective. I just I don't know, just Fat Joe just never does it for me. So. Nah, he was alright. That, that's the thing. <laughs> I agree. But Capital he never does it when me. he when he rapped with Big Pun, he was fine. Yeah. But when he did yeah, I'm sure. yeah, yeah. when he wasn't with it. Big Pun, it. it was like yeah. Uh, this is, what's I don't know. Yeah, just, uh, Got to do. That's a no, classic. No, no, no. Don't, Come don't down. Love. Yeah, yeah. Calm down. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not dissing what's love. All right. right you know right, what I right, mean. Right. Like, deeper cuts. Bro. Yeah. I, see, not, yeah. Like, you know. I understand. All right. Yeah. All right. Relax. Um. And also, Shani's on there. So. Um. But yeah, yeah uh, Ride or Run, Steady Mobbing. I like that. It was really good. I really enjoyed that. But um, I think the highlights are more at the back end again. Uh, Daddy. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. That's that's deep. That was some deep shit. Um yep. I didn't really yeah, I didn't see that coming again. Um she, that's what she does, man. She just comes through with these like super deep shit and I'm just like fuck. 
Like you, you, you're slapped in the face with like energy and bravado for like forty minutes, and then she comes through with just like a, she just jukes you in the feeling, and um, again, just really deep. Um, you can imagine what it, what it's about. It's about her dad, and um, yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. Um, and uh, Fallen Angels to Dear Jill again. Another just always finishing them these albums with a, uh, you know, dedication to Jill, and uh, it's always it's an interesting it's an interesting motif to have. Um, I can't imagine many artists getting away with it to be honest because I, I don't know you know when you know when t- some people just I get I guess get like uh weird with it when they're just uh you know referencing somebody multiple times and they just expect people to be over it I guess but you know some people hold that shit um dear to them and uh you know don't want to read uh Mia's mind or anything but it must be in my mind, a form of like just, uh, you know, kind of like a sign of respect of like I wouldn't be here for one for you, you know what I mean? And always just having paying that respect. I'm here for that, you know. I'm here for it, and it's again always deep as a finish, um, which I guess sets an interesting precedent when you're actually going into these albums, right? When you listen to the first one, it's like you know, it says Jill then, and it says Jill and the other one, Jill and the other one. You're just like, huh, that's interesting thinking about that. Just uh, how will that go knowing she's going to end the album on a super somber note, but the rest of the album might just be hyper shit. Um, And it doesn't really, I don't know, it doesn't doesn't jar me as I thought it would um, overall, which is interesting. Um, But I mean, I'll just just chalk that up to her just bossing it, man, because I don't think that's a... Uh, a level, I guess, of emotional intelligence, I'd say, that most people have, and it's clear she has that in abundance, and, uh, you know, we really get that in rappers, I feel, you know, we really get that in hip-hop, especially, um, you know, some people just, uh, go through it, and they just, you know, pour their heart out on one track, right, and then they just, and then the rest of the album's just, like, just hype, or, or back to what they, what they usually do. Um, but you know me is not afraid to just stop stop the whole fucking album <laughs> and it's like you're gonna listen to this one you're actually gonna listen to this one right and you do you end up doing it and uh that's interesting that's great just uh pull i guess uh you know gravitational pull um that she has when she when she's on the mic so uh yeah so it's, it's highly applauded for that yeah it's good I mean, features yeah i mean yeah i mean it's her final studio album to date uh, at least until her long teased I and mean, there's always a long teased album in these ones isn't there there's always an album that they've been like yeah it's coming and it's been coming for 20 years but it never comes but we'll see Betty Betty Rocker Locksmith is apparently the album that is meant to be coming at some point in the future but uh, it's the second album from a southern female MC to go top 10 on the Billboard 200 peaked at number 7 I think the features are the draw card here in terms of that obviously not for us but like I think that's probably why because you know, it's always interesting why an album is more successful than the previous albums, especially because Mia X has obviously been dropping quality her previous two records. But, you know, with Charlie Wilson, Fat Joe, Snoop Dogg, Silk the Shocker, that's mainstream in the late 90s. That's a mainstream lineup right there. And that's probably where that number seven came from. Um, and yeah, man, it's 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 brilliant. I, I, just, I can't say it any better. Like, it's exactly what charlie said is the same as the previous record but a little bit a little bit more 
sobered you know it's not as hype it's not as aggressive it's still that is on here but her storytelling remains immense mama drama mama's tribute get a living daddy um i think the only miss on this album for me was sex ed with silk the shock guys a non non-starter for me but yeah look man aside from that it's brilliant and i just think that mia x is as Charlie said, she can stop the show in the middle of an album and just be like, yeah, now we're going to do something really intense and really deep. And I've been seeing a lot of people talking recently about like Lil Wayne being the best rapper. And I'm not going to talk about Lil Wayne, but I do see a lot of people saying he has never made a deep song in his entire career, which is not true at all. He's made plenty of them. But the way that I see most mainstream rappers making deep songs is exactly as Charlie said. They're just like, okay, we're going to do this really deep emotional song and then we're going to go back to everything else. There's not a lot of emotional awareness. There's not a lot of self-awareness. There's not a lot of just like understanding of humanity and like looking at it from above, giving a full 360 degree. And that's why we love Kendrick so much because that's what he does. That's what he's capable of. And Tupac. And Tupac. That's exactly why, you know, everyone's like, again, not everyone. These are just the Twitter conversations. People are like, how could you put Tupac in your top five? He can't spit bars like Biggie. It's completely different, guys. Different artists different things MCs can do more than one thing they don't have to be lyrical spiritual miracle individuals you know they can do a whole bunch of different things and that's where I see Mia X coming in is just a very very potent storyteller very potent Slick Rick created like very intricate stories and and characters and but the way that Mia X does it she doesn't do it that way she doesn't create all these different characters and link them all up it's not the MF Doom big universe thing she just takes like almost everyday activities and things that she experienced and the people around her are experiencing, but she gives all these different perspectives to it and gives all the emotional content and breaks down the emotions that she goes through and that people would be going through. And that's incredibly relatable, very relatable for everyone. You know, everyone experiences that. So I say all that to say, I, I just don't get, <laughs> get how Mia X is not given more accolades and, and plaudits because she absolutely deserves it. And, you know, after this record, um, tragedy struck her family. Uh, both her parents died in 1999, just months apart. And she told Hip Hop DX this. She said, my mom was the care provider for my children. That allowed me to tour and do the music things. And my children were relatively young when she died in a car accident. And on top of being extremely devastated and heartbroken, I also had to make the choice to fill my mum's shoes because she was the mum to all of us. So I had to raise the children. That meant that I had to go to the PTA meetings and, you know, be more proactive in the children's lives and their extracurricular activities. My mum was also like my biggest fan. So she even tells Hip Hop DX she actually lost a staggering 14 people close to her in an 18-month period. So 14 people died in an 18-month period that were around her. And on top of that... I think I know 18 people. Wait, if they all died, I'd go to their funeral. <laughs> it's wild, right? It's insane. It's, it's I don't know enough people. <laughs> brutal, brutal, brutal. And she also um, talks about the dwindling, dwindling structure of No Limit Records. Uh, she actually told Hip Hop DX that Masterpiece basketball career began the demise of the label. She said, there was a breakdown in the family unit at No Limit as well as my own personal tragedy. So she ended up becoming a ghostwriter and obviously <laughs> she's a ghostwriter, so she's very silent on who she wrote for. Because um, a lot of people have asked her, they're like, "Well, who'd you write for?" She's like, it, "It's called Ghostwriter. Like, you don't tell them. You know, that's the point." Um, in that Hip Hop DX interview, it states, "In addition to ghostwriting, Mia dabbled in real estate, but her main gig during the, the 2000s was that of Family Matriarch, 
as Mia not only oversaw the lives of her children, but also the endeavors of her entire family. Um, and obviously then she speaks at length about her new project, Betty Rocker Locksmith. Um, that was 13 years ago, so that was 2010. Um, but it, it just seems like Mia X is enjoying her life right now. She wrote a book that's half memoir, half cookbook. She's regularly engaging with the New Orleans scene and live interviews. Uh, sorry, live music. She's giving lots of interviews. And she's very active, just maybe not in the same direction she once was. But I don't know what the takeaway from this episode is, but holy shit, I'm very thankful we got to do it because Mia X is an incredible MC, and I'm really uh, disappointed that I didn't know that before the last couple of weeks. It's, it's a bit sad. Yeah, definitely. But um, I think this is a good start to um, the whole uh, to the Women's History Month because uh, uh, clearly... She just had such a big hand in the whole essence of No Limit. And No Limit itself is a space and time that uh, birthed a lot of people and uh, and and uh, provided inspiration for a lot of people. Um, so, ergo, <laughs> pick up your ex, because uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's some outstanding reach um, to think about. And, yeah, excuse me, but... Um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of deepness, it's a lot of deepness, but um, yeah, the music's good, so I can't complain, shout out to me, Rex. Shout out to me, Rex. Alright, finish up there, Hobbiton Night Night, so I was, uh, I came home last night and uh, I didn't sleep uh, till like uh, <coughs> probably about six, and I was like, oh yeah, Chris Rock's doing the live Netflix thing. That's oh, you saw him on Netflix. I thought you saw him in real life. I was like, oh, snap. No, 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 no. That's my so bad. He's, yeah, so he, so, he, so he did Selective Outrage, which is a live Netflix show. First ever live Netflix anything. Um, it? And it had like oh. a... Yeah, yeah, it was the first live Netflix show. And um, they had some like before, um, hosted by Ronnie Chang, and uh, had a few comedians doing some, doing some five minutes uh, bits. And then had an after party as well for like... 20, 25 minutes, and that was cool. And they were just like talking about uh, Arsenio Hall, David Spade, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, JB Smooth, Yvonne Orji, Dana Carvey. Um, they were just like talking about the stand up itself. And obviously, you know, they were just, you know, they're just going to gas it up, gas, 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 right? No criticism or anything like that. Um, as a Chris Rock fan and as a person who's seen all of the, sta- all of his stand ups uh, several times over. I'd put this like under you know you have you have like the first two um uh, bigger and blacker and I think never scared is the other one um those two are goaded like they just have some goat shit in there like you go back and it's just it's perfect right you know and then there's like don't kill the messenger which is kind of like interesting because um he did it in well he filmed in three locations I think it was like London New York and Johannesburg and you know he he just it, it it went over smoothly in terms of like the editing. It's it basically like an editing exercise. It was kind of interesting. Um, but, you know, and then you have tambourine, which I reference it references as a I referenced it as like the four forty four of stand up. I do because like he's basically tambourine. just talking about. Yeah, it literally is. He's like talking about for the whole show. He's just talking about his point in life where he's like, I'm divorced, I'm single now, and and he you know he talks. He obviously in the outstanding Chris Rock way, he's like talking about different things on the side of it. Um, but he always gets back to the essence. <clears throat> and yeah, he does that in the same way here. 
Um, he does the, you know, repeating certain phrases just to keep it in your mind, right? And to make that iconic, uh, to make it iconic if you really enjoy that much because you know exactly what he's talking about. You know the whole thing. When you enjoy it, you, you say that thing to somebody else and they know exactly what you're talking about. So it's obviously some, you know, just uh, laying some repetition on you. But yeah, overall content-wise, it was very interesting. Like, he... He kind of did the things that and obviously everybody else, right? Was everybody was waiting for? You know, is he going to talk about the slap? It's been a year since the slap. Is he going to talk about Will? And he does. He does for ten minutes at the back end. He does reference him a couple of. T- he does refer. He doesn't ref- reference Will, uh, uh, twice uh, as a rapper because he says like something about Jay Z. He's like, I don't want another rapper coming at me. And everyone laughs because they know what they're talking about. But then he references Will explicitly and goes in for like 10 minutes, throws the fucking mic on the floor. He and it's gangster as shit. On Will Smith. Oh, yeah, he goes in. He goes oh, in, bro. But in he's a funny like, way or is he, is he angry? It's, 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 it's artistic, it's artistic yeah. uh, license, right, to I do like that. It. Because like this it. is because in his mind, it's perfect because everybody, he knows... Everybody's gonna watch this in some fashion because they he they want they want to hear him talk about it. As an artist, as a comedian, that's oh, gold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're in. That's gold. That's e- that's that's easy money in the pocket right there. Like something happened to you, you talk about it, and you know everyone was here for it. And he waited till the last ten minutes, and he did. He went in. He was angry. He was like, "I'm st- I'm hurt. I still have summertime ringing in my ears." Hilarious, right? Great song. <laughs> Drums, please. Drums, <laughs> <Just> please. <laughs> <laughs> and then Will so, Smith's just coming up and slap the shit out of him. <laughs> but it's, it was it was good. I wouldn't say I laughed as you know consistently as I have with his other stand-ups. It was probably pound for pound the least I've laughed. So as a stand-up show, take that what you will. You're here to laugh, obviously. But there were some interesting, just like seeing how he's thinking about the world, I guess. You know, obviously he's like, you know, him and Dave Chappelle are like that right now. Well, have been like that for years. Oh. Of course, bro. Yeah, they do shows together, right? They're, 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 like, they're like that, bro. Um, and, uh, but he, re- but with that in mind, I'm like, so he's going to do the Dave Chappelle shit. He's going to be like trans or He's going to do that shit. And he doesn't, to his respects. He, 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 got, he does a little bit about transphobia um, where he, you know, outright states, I'm not transphobic, I'm an artist, I understand, uh, you know, people's, how people's lives can change, etc, etc, and he was, and then he basically made a point with, like, the Kardashians, and how, and this is crazy, because I'm just like, the way he's talking about it, it's like, damn, that that she does warrant some respect, because, you know, Caitlyn Jenner's a thing, right, and they all just, they were all just cool with that, right, and that's and that's you know respect to them for for accepting all that right, and then Chris Rock goes into this bit where he's talking about his how his family would, how his brothers especially would um think if his if his father did the same thing, and he was like I'm fine with it because I'm an artist and I've seen people that you know I've been in these circles and I've met these people, but my brothers are truck drivers, <laughs> and he basically just throws them under the bus. It's kind of crazy. Um, he does have a few yell at cloud moments. He starts talking about cancel culture in the beginning. It's just like oh, they all do, yeah. but everyone does these uh, days. You've got to like, do it's it. 
bitty old man yells at Cloud there. I'm, I wasn't really feeling it. Um, but yeah, the further he got into it, the, just the I guess the better it got. Um, he meant he does a he does a few bits on his daughters, which were very endearing. Um, he, apparently, his kids used to bite people, which is kind of hilarious. Um, but he made this really good, just like um, comparison about lives between him, his daughter, and his mum. Where like his mum, obviously, got born in the mid forties, got her dentistry done by vets. Like, oh yeah, that's common. That yeah, that my shit. grandma you know used I mean? to get that, that, that done. That, as that kind well. of that America, right? That America. And you know, he's talking about how he wanted his kids to be rich and spoiled. He's fine with that because he doesn't want them to be in the hood. He does. She 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 wants them. He wants them to be lost in the hood, right? And I get it. I respect that, right? And it's honest, at least in the nepotism. It's honest. Um, and then he talks about the daughter where, like, uh, his oldest daughter, who's like um, doing like some culinary shit in France, in Paris. And then he links it together, and it's so, and it's kind of endearing. It's very heartwarming. Um, and uh, when you get to the credits, like, they have like a the slideshow of photos, and the last photo is literally his daughters and his mum. Um, and it's very good. But yeah, everyone was obviously there. Obviously, everybody, if you see the links, uh, everybody's going to talk about the Will Smith stuff. Like he mentions. He basically just goes in, really. And uh, I wouldn't say it's like laugh out loud funny because he, he, he puts some truths on the boy, man. He's like, Jada hurt you more than everybody else. <laughs> and I'm just like, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, they did the fucking entanglement talk um, on, on the internet. And Chris was right. Who the fuck do you know would do that? That's weird to me. Like, it's weird. I still find it I weird. I mean, we it's know like, that. Why yes. you guys, nobody asked for this. Just go to therapy like everybody else. You don't have to put this on wax, guys. It's not necessary. There's some stuff that they talk about that I'm just like, we, I didn't need yeah. to. There's, there was a point where for every couple of months, there was a new Will Smith headline about something wild that they talked yeah. about. I'm like, I don't need to know all this stuff about Will Smith. It's, I mean, not, it's not deep. It's I don't not, need like, to know this, my guy. Keep guy. that personal, guys. That's personal stuff, you know? Yeah, they just out the, they just out all their laundry, and I'm yes, just like, too much. Oh, I don't care. I, I just don't want to care. And uh, you know, Chris Rock just Chris Rock just basically just laid into him with logic, and for Smith. the most part, you kind of just have to agree because it's like, yeah, why did you, why why did you talk about you, Jada, smashing August Alcina, and they're just talking about it. It's like. What what world are we living in? <laughs> just just go to therapy. Like it's crazy. Um. So yeah. Uh. Yeah. Chris Rogers. Um. He he. I forget the last uh, the last line was just so gangster because he was like he was saying bitch all the time. He was like, uh, and these people were calling him a bitch. These people were calling him a bitch. This people were calling it a bitch. And then he basically said, what he did to me was a bitch move because obviously Will Smith is just hench. Chris Rock ain't. No, I mean yeah. that's that's fair to say. Hench that's fair to say. Word. That's fair to say. Oh, Will Smith is hench. He's he... been Ali in a fucking film. You've and he said you've never seen me with my shirt off in a film. And he's and I'm like, he's correct. I haven't seen Chris Rock shirtless in a film. I I don't think I have. Um, and he basically finished off with like, uh, I, you know why I didn't retaliate because my mother raised me. And then <laughs> I was like, okay. And then he said, um. Uh, they said she raised me uh, not to fight in front of white people, and it just slammed the bike. <laughs> I was like, I was like, fair play, geese. You, you you waited a whole year t- 
to do this. Yeah, and obviously, it. he's been doing shows all year, all throughout 2022, and he's done like mini references. People have reported on it, um, but he kept he's kept pretty shut tight shut uh, on on the whole thing, and he just went off for 10 minutes. That was literally like the perfectly the most perfect scripted part of the of the of the stand-up and it was very clear that he had put some thought into it um amongst all the others obviously but yeah it was just all culminating in that and uh yeah it really um it was very interesting um and i don't really it, it's, it's the thing about like stand-ups like like that is because everyone's waiting for one moment to be talked about it kind of, I don't know, it kind of feeds into this thing where I don't, like, I don't want, I want to enjoy the rest of it, you know what I mean? I listen, I watch, you know, Bigger and Blacker or whatever, and, you know, he always does topical stuff. You know, he talks about the Million Man March back then, right? <laughs> stuff like that, you know, obviously very topical shit of the time stuff, right? And it still works because it's just funny, right? But he 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 just uh, in this, in this case he's tackling topics that you know I'm not looking for him to make like you know cancel culture selective outrage was the whole title of the thing um you know transphobia he didn't need to talk about all that and I'm you know by all means he did and that's fine it's it's his show um but yeah there's just like it's, it's, there's some top, topical moments so I'm just like I'm not asking Chris Rock to talk about transphobia. I really, I really don't really care that much, um, because that's why I enjoyed Tambourine because it was very personal, um, and I like that. But I don't know if he knows any trans people, so you know, I'd, <laughs> he he could have kept shut on it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying he should have or whatever, but I didn't really, I wasn't really here for that. You know what I mean? And I don't think many people were. Um, a lot of the tweets I was seeing was just like. When am I supposed to laugh yet? And I'm just like, mm, I guess, you know what I mean? I, I, I laughed a few times. There were a few good moments. But yeah, it was just, um, I guess it was kind of weighed down by the whole thing, by the, just the, what's it, when is he going to do it? Is he going to talk about it? And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a it's a good thing and a bad thing, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. Comedians are in, different, in an interesting space right now because it seems like, unless you're a new comedian and you're just coming up, you do... It's, it's almost expected that you talk about certain things. It's almost expected that you talk about trans rights. It's almost he expected. did a, my pronouns are joke. I was just like... Oh, no, 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 no. And it wasn't like Roseanne Barbad. He basically was talking about being rich. And he was like, uh, he's like, I am rich, but I am, like, I think broke. Uh, he's like, my pronouns are broke. And I'm like, okay. All right. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. So it was like... We don't need to do this, guys. We don't need to do the pronoun thing. We don't. We really don't. It's so. It's, it's not that deep. Like, it it's it shocks me how big of a deal this is to people that it doesn't affect in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> it doesn't impact upon your life in any way. You're not trans. <laughs> it doesn't matter to you. But people still have to. Like, I have to talk about this. People have to know how I feel about this. We don't, guys. We don't. You don't have to talk. I don't care how you feel about it. Just. Maybe just say I I'm pro trans. I'm not a transphobe, and then because everyone else seems to be, and then just move on with your life and talk about something else, bros. It does not need to be content. It's just 
Holy shit! But I think he, yeah. I'm I'm very interested to see it. I'm very interested to see it. Yeah, give it give it a watch. I feel like it's very worthy of people's time. Um, it doesn't start off too great, but um, it gets there. It, it just it when once you once he gets into it and uh, starts bringing up different topics, I feel um it gets better over time. Um, but yeah, I do think it's worth watching it all. Um, I feel people just wanted wanted the Will Smith shit. And they did. They got their fill, and it was very much a fill. Um, but you know, there's some worthy commentary within the mid. There's some mid, but there's like, funny enough, we're talking about Mia X, right? <laughs> there's some worthy. There's some fucking worthy shit within the posse cuts of Mystical talking to me, and I don't want Mystical talking to me. Like it's just, it's it's like that. It's like that. There's some there's some mid, but there's some there's some good shit in the mid. There's some great lines. There's some good shit in the mid. So uh, yeah. I'll give it, if I ranked it, I'll give it like, you know, like smooth, smooth seven, right? You know what I mean? Like nice seven, can't complain about it too much. I do have some grabs, um, but yeah, I don't, but this is the thing, bro. I don't watch stand-ups that much. I really don't. I really don't watch stand-ups that much anymore. Most I haven't been trash, to a stand-up to show in, my, in in person yet. I've never done that oh, yet. Oh, really? Um, I mean, at this point, I'm just waiting for the perfect one now. <laughs> like, Who never is it going to be, though? Who is it going to be? Chris Rock, I guess. For me, it's. I mean, it, uh, I've tried to. I've tried. I've tried for it to be Chris Rock. He's come through a couple of times over the years, um, but I just never had the money at the time. You know, I'd like to see Hassan Minhaj. I really like Hassan. Um, yeah, I don't. I, don't, I can't really. Can't really imagine who else really. Um, who's who? I feel like I'm just like constantly fucking with all the time. Um, but yeah, now at this point, I just need. I just want it to be like a really good type, like first first person to hit. You know what I mean? At this po- at this point in my life, might as well. But but then again, I might just hit up a fucking I don't know, like a five quid comedy night in London when I'm like bored one day. Who knows that? Maybe that'll be it. Um, as a uh, as a mini light note as well, uh, have you? Uh, <coughs> do you care about the Liverpool menu game at all? I care about it a lot, but I haven't seen the score. Okay. They play this morning, do they? Yeah, 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 they played today. Um, oh, shit. I mean, I care because Tottenham just keep okay. losing stupidly. Like, beat Who? Chelsea yeah, and then okay. lose to Wolves. I didn't see the the Chelsea-Leeds game. I don't even know the score in that. Well, nobody saw it. It wasn't on TV inexplicably in 2023. Wasn't it? Oh, you won 1-0, so... Dortmund midweek, too. It was fucking... When we beat Chelsea the other day, I was like... It's so funny because my dad, my dad is just. It was he loves Tottenham, but he hates watching us lose. So he came over to our place to watch the game against Chelsea, and he was so excited. About twenty minutes after he left, my mum texts me, and she's like, "Your dad just came home and turned the Tottenham game back on, and he's watching it start to finish again because we'd beaten Chelsea for the first time in like five years." Ejected. It was, yeah, it was just like I want to bathe in this for the next three days. This is oh, all I'm watching. This is glorious. That's man. funny. That's funny. Hey man, you got you got his weekly dose of dopamine. I'm here for it. Yeah, you need it as a Tottenham fan, man. There's few and far between those ones. <laughs> Oh gosh, shout out to Ben's Pops. Alright, we'll finish there, ladies and gentlemen. 
from the Fifth End Podcast Now it's been Digging Digits Hope you've enjoyed this episode I'm in charge of the Fifth Element We've been Carter Fifth Bot Numbers <sighs> Been uh, Been uh, Inadvertently Just uh, released uh, Leaked Who we're doing next week um, Just uh, out of the blue I was, I was like Okay fine uh, But yes We are doing Miss Melody next week And uh, Yeah Join us for that Until then Hope you have a good week Make sure you try and do the same but Until next time Take it easy Ladies and gentlemen Alright peace Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Pizza Mini Games by Bonus Points. Thanks to Chill Music for the ability to use. Socials with Fifth Element, Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Music will be in the full show notes, as well as the names of the many projects with huge for you listening. This is a bit of Fifth Element podcast here production. Thanks for spending the time with us. We'll see you next time as we continue Women's History Month on DRGD.